0: chapter fourteen of a sevenfold trouble by pansy and her friends this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen nothing satisfies by fay huntington poor margaret i hope you have sympathy for the sad-hearted child asleep on the old chest with the moonlight streaming in and falling upon the pale tear-stained face we may not blame her too severely no doubt you who have followed this story of the moore family thus far hoped that margaret's faith might be the little leaven that should leaven the whole lump that her earnest consistent life would lead others to come to christ but alas she seemed to be making a wretched failure of her christian life was she mistaken was it as her stepmother said all wrong for her to join the church was there reason in the question she had asked what do such children know about it let the great multitude of christians who have come to christ in their childhood answer let christ himself answer in those sweet and precious words spoken of the little ones of judea suffer little children to come unto me if mr and mrs moore could only have taken in this invitation for their children and then could have taken home to their own hearts the admonitions of the Apostle in regard to their own duty, how much easier might the Christian way have been made for Margaret's feet? It had never occurred to Mr. Moore that the sentence, Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, was addressed to him, or that the commendation of Abraham might be made his own, FOR I KNOW HIM, THAT HE WILL COMMAND HIS HOUSEHOLD AFTER HIM, THAT THEY SHALL KEEP THE WAY OF THE LORD. NOR HAD HE THOUGHT OF THE WARNING, FATHERS, PROVOKE NOT YOUR CHILDREN, THAT THEY BE NOT DISCOURAGED, OR THAT OTHER IN THE WORDS OF CHRIST, WHOSOEVER SHALL OFFEND ONE OF THESE LITTLE ONES. KNOWING NOTHING OF THE SERVICE OF CHRIST THEMSELVES, HOW COULD THEY HELP THIS YOUNG DISCIPLE? IT WAS LATE WHEN MARGARET AWOKE. The house was very quiet. The moonbeams still played with the branches of the tall tree at the gable end of the house, and made curious and ever-changing shadows upon the floor of the long, low room. Margaret had not been missed, except by Amelia, who, not finding her in their room, said to herself, She's off again with that Hester Andrews. I don't care if she gets locked out maybe her father will realize how she is going on if he has to let her in as soon as the girl recovered from her surprise at finding herself in this unusual place she slipped off her shoes and crept softly down the stairs moving about her room very quietly so as not to awaken aunt amelia who weary with a hard day's work was sleeping heavily margaret found the old garret such a quiet retreat that after that first almost accidental visit she went there whenever she could steal away and one day she gained a victory in that very spot she might in some future struggle be again vanquished but for that time she was the conqueror it was two or three days after her first visit things went wrong in the kitchen she thought aunt Amelia more aggravating than usual it was monday and the work was heavy and perhaps the tired young woman at the helm was impatient anyway as soon as margaret could escape from the hated dishpan, she just peeped into the sick-room to find that the invalid was sleeping and leaving the doors ajar that she might hear the faintest tap of the bell she stole up the narrow and steep stairway and seating herself upon the old chest prepared to have it out in a good cry pretty soon glancing down behind the chest she caught sight of the book which had caused her such mortification and sorrow she had not been able to look mr wakefield in the face since that evening when he restored the book to her with earnest and to her terrible words as she fished it up from the dust and cobwebs for no matter how neat the housekeeping dust and cobwebs belonged to garretts you ugly thing she said, to go slipping away from me and to fall right down in the minister's way, just as if he did not think meanly enough of me without this. Oh, dear, I thought it would be grand to have the minister board here, but I wish he had never come. He never could know half how mean and hateful I am if he did not live here. If this old book belonged to me, I would burn it up, but it must go back to hester and of course it will slip out again and mr wakefield will find it and have a chance to give me another lecture oh dear what a dreadful thing he said something about ruining souls he said novel reading would drive out the love of christ and i am afraid it's true i wonder if i ought to give it up hester said this was an awful nice book and that she was sure i would like it but i wish i could make up my mind not to read it just here there came to margaret a thought of the sermon she had listened to only yesterday mr wakefield had chosen for his theme the peril of choosing wrong in making the sermon practical he had spoken of the daily necessity laid upon all of choosing between right and wrong and had tried to show some of the dangers attending a wrong choice he had even said sometimes it seems a very small matter it may be only a question of where you will spend the next hour yet where you will spend eternity may hang upon your choice or it may be only how you will spend the evening whether you will read this book or that yet your peace of mind your christian development may rest with your choice these words came to margaret now as she debated inclination and conscience were each clamoring for a hearing once she took up the book and was about to open it saying i will only read this one more and then i'll stop it was strange but the girl seemed to hear a voice saying stop now it will sting you and she threw the book from her as though she already felt the sting it was only the tinkle of her stepmother's bell that she heard but as she stood up to go downstairs she said with a firm voice and set lips i'm done with them i'll read no more of those books then she ran downstairs and for the next hour was busy attending to the wants of the invalid who had awakened in great pain but who noticed even in the midst of her suffering that her attendant was more tender and thoughtful than she had been for a long time but that book lying on the floor where Margaret had thrown it was to make more trouble. Aunt Amelia had noticed Margaret's absences from the inhabited parts of the house. Nowadays she never found her in their own room. At first she supposed the child was with Hester Andrews, but finding that this was not the case, she determined to learn where she kept herself and what she did. One day she had occasion to go to the garret and finding the book which margaret had thrown from her in that hour of decision she straightway concluded that meg went up there to read novels so resolved to lay the case before her brother-in-law the child goes around as if she were in a dream she said i haven't seen any novels around lately and i thought she wasn't reading them as much but it appears she is only getting sly about it are you sure this is margaret's book asked mr moore it has hester andrews's name in it was the reply and meg spends half her time hidden away somewhere i have no doubt she stays up there reading this sort of stuff i thought she was doing better lately sophia seems to get along very well with her well all i have to say is if sophia were in this kitchen some days she would see why meg don't know what she is about half the time mr moore sighed would these conflicting elements in his household ever reconcile themselves and let them have peace he must have a talk with margaret accordingly he undertook a task for which he was not well fitted and as a matter of course chose an unfortunate time margaret was more tired than usual all that day she had been having a hard fight with her ill-humour and towards night feeling that she must get away by herself had her hand upon the garret door when her father coming into the room said margaret i don't want you to go to the garret any more unless you are sent for something margaret stood aghast of late the only hours of quiet were those spent in the garret where she could hug her sorrows cry out her grief and fight out her battles besides it was the spot which she had chosen for her bible reading and the prayer which followed it the nearest approach to happiness that she had known in a long time was made in the old garret where she seemed to be finding her way back to jesus and was this refuge to be taken from her she managed to stammer out why not because i prefer that you should stay below there is plenty of room downstairs and it seems to me more fitting that you should make one of the family oh margaret why will you be so sly about things though it is no wonder you wish to hide your books and your doings this to her she had always prided herself upon her frankness and openness how often had she been told that she was very outspoken and how often had she declared that she was not deceitful now to be told by her own father that she was sly she was pale with anger and her voice trembled as she said father i do not know why you think i am sly and i have not tried to hide any books that is not lately i have never read any books in the garret except the bible oh margaret how then did this come there why who what a flush spread over the girl's face and she hesitated but collecting herself she said while the color again went out of her face i carried it there but i did not read it i know where you got it aunt amelia has been trying to spy out something she might be satisfied with taking my room from me without taking the only place i have to go and now margaret unable to keep back the tears any longer burst into a perfect passion of sobbing saying between the spasms i can't stand it every pleasure i have in the world is taken away if she could only have kept her temper in check and talked calmly with her father he might have withdrawn that prohibition yet as he never sought a place of prayer never felt the want of a place where he might enter in and shut the door how could he be expected to understand the longing of a girl's heart for the chance to be alone with herself and god there had been a time when mr moore would have stopped to pet and comfort the sobbing child but he had been so tried with his family affairs and felt so discouraged and so vexed with margaret that he walked away leaving her sitting on the floor where she had dropped all in a heap in her fit of crying it suited her to play the martyr for the next few days she attended her duties quite faithfully but wore a face long enough to give every member of the family a chill she adhered to her resolution to read no more novels but she went about dreaming making herself the heroine of a romance during those hours spent in the garret she had unwittingly stumbled upon a secret one which concerned her and gave her great joy in anticipation. One day she had been seized with a spirit of investigation, and chose an old secretary for the subject of her experiment. She remembered that this piece of furniture used to stand in her mother's room, and that when her new mother came it had been removed to make way for her furniture. Mr. Moore said, "'Sometime we will have this freshened up for Margaret.' and this gave it additional interest to the girl it is a queer old thing she said opening the doors and peering into the pigeon holes i wonder if it has any secret drawers they always have them in books i mean to see if i can find out and she proceeded to pull out drawers and thump at panels and finally was delighted to discover the object of her search a little hidden receptacle and in it, to her astonishment, she found a sealed letter addressed to my daughter Margaret to be given to her when she is fourteen years old. She stood as if transfixed. It seemed to her as though she had heard a voice from another world. When she is fourteen, she read. Then, and I am only thirteen and a half. She put back the letter, slipped the sliding panel back into place, shut the doors and turned the key in the rusty lock all the while wondering if anybody beside herself knew of the letter this was the secret upon which she was building her romance again and again she said to herself oh i wish i knew what my own dear mamma will say to me in that letter when i am fourteen meantime into the pain and unrest of the long nights there came to mrs moore a strange visitor she recognized an unwanted presence, and, stirred by new thoughts, she remembered how, away back, when she was not much older than Margaret, this same visitor had knocked at the door of her heart. She recalled how she had been minded to open to him, and how, absorbed with the ambitions of school life, she had closed the half-open door, and devoted herself to the cultivation of her mind, turning away from the truest culture." She reviewed her school life and the years of her work as a teacher. She had been proud of her success. During this year, she had sometimes wondered if she had not made a mistake in laying down that work to take the place of wife and mother in this disorderly family. She had often wondered why she, who had been so successful in the schoolroom, had so failed in this new sphere. But, in this time of looking back, there came to her a questioning doubt of her success. Had it been a success in its truest sense? Had she not, after all, been working upon a lower plane when she ought to have sought a higher? If her pupils had gone no farther than she had led them, when they too were laid upon beds of pain, would they be, even as she was now, seeking in sorrow for a place of rest, tossed upon a sea of doubt and perplexity was there no harbour no safe anchorage for her troubled heart though she did not yet put it into words even in her inmost heart mrs moore was reaching out after christ with a feeling which if expressed would have been lord save or i perish did jesus ever hear that cry and turn away one morning her sister emma came with a carriage mother was not quite so well as usual and wanted to see amelia could she be spared for a few hours to ride out and stay to dinner it seemed at first as though amelia could not be spared mr moore had gone out of town for the day and margaret would be left alone as housekeeper and nurse but mr wakefield was within hearing and came to the rescue i think miss barrows might go he said i am sure margaret and i can keep house and take care of mrs moore too just give me a bowl of bread and milk or rather let me help myself and miss barrows you surely can set out a luncheon for the boys when they come from school but objected miss barrows someone must go down to the doctor's office at two o'clock for the medicine and the boys hate to be kept from school all right, we can manage that. I will go, or if Mrs. Moore is sleeping, Margaret can go and I will watch. So it was arranged, and Miss Barrows departed. The boys were quite satisfied with the dainties which she had left for them as a compensation for a cold dinner, and Mr. Wakefield seemed to enjoy his bread and milk and ginger snaps. Mrs. Moore was having a more comfortable day than usual and her stepdaughter was attentive and quiet at two o'clock mr wakefield appeared at the door of the invalid's room and asked how would your mother enjoy a little reading if she wishes i will read to her while you go down to the office or i will go if she prefers to have you stay with her mrs moore hearing this said margaret can go i can stay alone mr wakefield need not trouble to read to me but mr wakefield said it would be a pleasure to read if mrs moore would like to listen and so it was settled this was one of the rare days when the invalid was able to be lifted from the wearisome bed to the great invalid's chair which a kind neighbor had sent in for her use and amelia had established her there just before she left lying back among the pillows with a crimson shawl touching her pale cheek she smiled faintly as the minister softly drew a chair to the opposite side of the stove near the window, and opened a new magazine. Margaret, looking in, on her way downtown, thought, How queer! I supposed he would read the Bible! Though why she should suppose so, when she, herself a Christian, had never offered to read a chapter to her mother, it might be difficult to say, probably because mr wakefield was a minister she expected it of him people do expect things of the minister which they excuse themselves from doing i am glad to see a harper said mrs moore i used to read it always until lately in a low quiet voice mr wakefield read at first some of the lighter articles bits from the easy chair and drawer as he finished a tender little poem, he looked up and noticed that tears were stealing from beneath the closed eyelids of his listener. He shut the book and waited. Presently, she said, "'That was very sweet. It seems as if it might have been a bit out of my own long ago. Things are more prosaic nowadays,' she added with a wan smile. "'Yes, things do seem more so as we grow older.' yet not less satisfactory, I think. Nothing satisfies. Nothing, he repeated questioningly, and she replied with a sudden emphasis, nothing. Listen to this, said the minister. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses, for he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Mrs. Moore, there is a fountain that satisfies, if you would only come and drink. End of chapter fourteen.